Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Life Well Lived podcast. Today, I share my cancer story and the things that have helped me along my journey. These aren't typical results, but they're not atypical either. I don't share some of these things to brag because there are many survivors like me achieving incredible heights. I share these things to open your mind and shift your perspective. You may not think you can do these things now, but you know not what is possible in the future. I hope you get some good nuggets out of this. Leave me a comment and let me know what you think and what you want to hear more about. Enjoy the podcast. Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose. If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, this is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. My story starts a few years back when actually I thought everything in my life was going pretty well. I had a job I loved. I had my two kids that were doing great in school. My husband and I were trying to move homes from one neighborhood to another for better opportunities for our kids in better schools. And I was training for my first half marathon. I was actually in the best shape of my life. I loved the way that I looked. I thought I looked even better than I did when I was in high school. Who doesn't love that? And uh, work was going really great too. Not only did I have a job that I loved at a local hospital where I was a nutrition support dietitian for patients on the ICU, which is a heavy, heavy job, but so well respected. And, or at least I felt I was. And I had my own private practice on the side helping people with food sensitivities. So I really thought that life was just great. This cancer diagnosis that I got just really came out of left field. At first, I thought that they got it wrong, but then I just really didn't know what to do. I kind of felt like an animal that had been caught in a trap. I think some people could probably identify with that feeling, but I, I knew that um, I didn't want to let that govern my way of living. So... I immediately decided that I was going to handle this a whole different way. And I went out and I bought a whole bunch of makeup. And I think the one piece of advice that was the best piece of advice I ever got um, as I started this whole journey was to uh, really become best friends with my hairdresser. And so I went ahead and scheduled um, a hair, hair appointment with her every three days to do my hair in the beginning because anyone who's been through surgery knows that you cannot lift your arms you can't do your hair and I 
um, I didn't know what I was going to (laughs) do. Not being able to wash and style my hair for three weeks. So um, I went ahead and made um, several appointments with her. I think that really helped me a lot. I always looked like, you know, to the nines um, everywhere I went and no one had a clue. No one knew any different. Maybe that was, you know, some people might say a little bit disingenuous because I was trying to hide something that was such a big part of my life. And truth be told, I there were very few people at work who knew about what was happening with me. But I felt like it was my way of coping, and I felt like it was the way that I wanted to handle it. I wanted to be able to speak about it when I was ready and in the way that was most beneficial to me. So not just putting on like rose-colored glasses, but really feeling like I owned my story and that it didn't own me. So that was very important to me. So moving forward, I went through the treatments and I thought that the one thing that I really wanted to have in my life was positivity and laughter because I really think that the laughter is like really the best medicine. But I found it very, very difficult to laugh physically sometimes during all of it because it hurt. It hurt to laugh, if you could imagine. And so um, sometimes, you know, people would tell me a joke and I would just get rolling in laughter and then realize like, wow, this is so painful. I can't even laugh. So stop it. And there were great moments like that. There were really, really great moments that I look back on very fondly during that time. And I still believe that laughter is the best medicine. Right about that time of the diagnosis, I started looking at, I'm training for this half marathon, which I will tell you, I never did get to run. And I think my nutrition just really wasn't up to par. Um, yes, I was a dietitian, and I worked at a hospital and I took care of the sickest of the sick, the people who most needed my help, patients on the ICU. But I don't think I was really taking care of myself that well. You know what it's like. You get really busy with your life and you take care of your kids and your spouse and your work and your coworkers and your family and everybody and you take a back seat. You come last. And I really feel like even with training for to run a half marathon, I wasn't necessarily feeding myself correctly. So... That was literally one of the first things that I did. I went to Whole Foods and loaded up my cart with all kinds of green foods. Green foods. All green foods. Kiwis and green apples and lettuce and all kinds of green foods. And my goal was that I was going to come home and make lots of juices. And I was going to get out of this with, with food and I will tell you that that saying, an, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, is absolutely right. And I wish that I had kind of been taking care of myself a little bit better in that respect. But I, I don't think that that was the culprit of why all this happened to me. I'm not really sure that I even know the reason why, but I really kind of don't ask 
that. I don't ask the question of why did this happen? And I don't ask the question of why me? I just take it, you know, stride for stride every day and deal with whatever comes up for me. So I didn't get to run my half marathon, even though I had been training for it for months, because there were tests and biopsies and all kinds of things going on in the three weeks right before the race. And I wasn't able to continue my training. And so I, although I think I could have done it, my mind wasn't in that space anymore and neither was my heart. So I didn't run my half marathon and I have not resumed training for one and I have not run one since. But that doesn't mean that I haven't done other things and I will tell you about the things that I have done. I got through treatment and uh, surgeries and all kinds of stuff that was happening at the time related to this diagnosis. And what's interesting is, and some of you can relate to this, is that you start to feel like, well, I'm doing something. Something is being done to me and I'm doing something. And so I'm being proactive and I'm taking care of this problem. But once you're done with that, and all you have to do is come back for checkups, what do you do in the meantime? And I kept asking my doctor, what should I do? What should I eat? How should I take care of myself? And his answer to me was, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. That's you know what we recommend to normal healthy people too, right? And so I thought, well, you know, there's got to be something more to this. So I did a lot of research on my own. And I, during my treatments, I will say that I juiced um, anywhere between 10 and 13 times a day. If I was awake, I was pretty much juicing every hour. I also filled my life with positive music and things that I read. The only exercise I really did was yoga. And that was very helpful to me. It was very calming. Sometimes it felt spiritual to me. But really, that was the only exercise I was doing. I actually was a little bit afraid that my difficult workouts that I did in preparation for the half marathon were kind of the culprit of what made this happen. I really thought that you know, it was too much exercise uh, that that brought on this diagnosis. And what my doctor told me was that it was really the fact that I was in such good shape going into this process that really helped me come out of it as well as I did. That kind of um, opened my mind to a whole new way of thinking. But I still didn't really get on the bandwagon of really doing any kind of exercise for the longest time. And I had friends who kept asking me, you know, don't you want to go, you know, for a run or, you know, don't you want to do some kind of um, weightlifting or something? And, and I was just so afraid of it. I, I couldn't do it. So I was walking and doing yoga. And those were really my two forms of um, exercise. And at the time of my diagnosis, I also have to tell you, I got a puppy, which so many people advised me against. But looking back on it, I really think it was like the best decision I ever made. So even beyond the makeup, my puppy was always there for me. 
uh, no matter what I looked like and no matter what I felt like. And she was always excited to see me and to be with me. And she was a really good reason to get out of the house. I needed to walk her. I really wanted to take the best care of her. So getting outside with my puppy at the time really helped me refocus my mindset as well. Because living in Colorado, we have a lot of cold, snowy days. And going out with her really helped me refocus my mindset in that I didn't care anymore if it was cold, if it was snowy. I bundled up and I got outside with my little girl and I tried to embrace every single day. And you have to understand, like, I know you don't know me, but I hate the cold. Um, I have a really hard time warming up. And especially at that time, I had a very hard time regulating my body temperature. I really had to get bundled up to go outside and brave the cold days anyways, whether I liked them or not. Mindset in this whole thing is so incredibly important. I really think that that is one thing that makes it or breaks it, this experience. You have to be in the right mindset. It's it's literally like 100% of this whole experience is how you how you look at it. Soon after finishing my treatments, uh, a friend said to me, hey, I'm going to a meditation class. Would you like to come? And I jumped at the opportunity. I had never meditated uh, before. I didn't even know how to do it. Didn't even know if I'd be capable of doing it. But, you know, I'd heard and read about how good meditation was for you. And I thought, shoot, I would really like to try this. So I ended up going to this meditation class with my friend and I ended up staying (laughs) for like two and a half years with this group. And it was the same people every time for the most part. There were some newcomers. And like I said, I stayed with this group for two and a half years and learned how to meditate. And that was another really amazing takeaway experience from all of this that I'm truly grateful for because that is a skill that I now have for the rest of my life. I can take it anywhere I go. I can take it everywhere I go. And it doesn't matter if I'm traveling. It doesn't matter if I'm at home. It doesn't matter if life is getting difficult or if life is great. I turn to my meditation practice almost on a daily basis and it really helps to support me um, on days when I need that extra support. I feel like there were a couple things that I did during this process that really helped me out. Having my network of friends, having my nutrition, and then having my yoga slash meditation practice really All of those things helped me so much to get through this whole process. Another thing that I did and that I still do was to use prayer and faith. Not everyone uh, has the belief um, in something greater or in God or the universe or, you know, whatever it may be. But if you can find... um, something more to believe in, whether it's 
the uniqueness of nature and just the natural flow of life, even just looking into something like that um, instead of having a faith-based practice, you know, you can still find ways to get out of your mind and get into, you know, looking into something or believing in something that is um, greater than just who we are. And, you know, nature is a perfect example. You know, I see quotes about nature all the time, about how flower doesn't look at the flower next to it and, you know, to compare itself, like, are they blooming, you know, well, they just bloom right where they are or about the acorn that drops in the forest and then becomes a mighty oak tree or how everything in nature happens in due time and that the process isn't rushed and that there is time for everything. So these are all beautiful ideas and if you don't have a faith-based practice then maybe you can find some kind of comfort and solace in just watching how things unfold in the natural world around us. Another one of my pillars that I learned to lean on were my medical team. And this is something that, you know, you have to feel that it's right for yourself, right? You have to feel that the the people that you are working with have your best interests in heart for you. You know, when I felt that my regular doctor was no longer the right person for me to see, um, I chose to seek out another practitioner. And it took me a while to find the right practitioner. It took me about four months. But I was able to find another doctor that I truly believed in and also felt that they truly believed in me and that our outlook and our goals for me were congruent. That was really, really important to me, was to make sure that my medical team, the people that I had around me, were focused on helping me get better. There were a few people involved in this whole process, and I I feel that they were immensely helpful to me, and I'm grateful to all of them. That's another thing, gratitude. I started a gratitude practice during this whole journey. And really, I was just trying to find one thing a day that I could say that I was grateful for. And that was immensely helpful, too, in getting through my journey. So I started doing a lot of things because really my main job was to take care of myself. I did go to work. I worked through my entire treatment process. Um, As I mentioned, when I first got diagnosed, I I had my hospital job and I also had my private practice. Um, And I will say that once um, I got kind of in the thick of going through the treatments that I did give up my private practice, but I did stay with my hospital job. So yes, my primary job became taking care of myself, but also still taking care of my patients that I had on the ICU at the hospital. Um, It wasn't an easy time in my life, but it was a time in my life that I did learn a lot about myself. I, I started getting out in nature more and more. 
Besides just going for walks in my neighborhood, I started exploring and going for nature hikes. And at first they were small, and that was good for me. But in a short matter of time, I started to hike 14,000 foot mountains. Now, it's a really wonderful thing, luckily, that in Colorado, we have an abundance of 14,000 foot peaks that you could hike and sometimes even multiple routes how to get up on those 14,000 foot peaks. So that's, that's one of the things that I started doing and it became very enjoyable for me. And if you know nothing about this process, you have to wake up very, very early. You have to be at the trailhead when it's still dark. Um, you have to have a light on your head so that you can see where you're going until daybreak. And it's a really long process. It's an all-day process, actually. It normally takes anywhere from four to five hours to get up to the top of the peak. And the reason why you have to start so early is because you want to get up there before noon and before some of the thunderstorms could possibly roll in. Um, and the, and the, the window for doing this is very short in the year. It's only about one to two months because um, the peaks are so high, you know, that they get snow before the rest of the rest of the city gets snow or the mountains even. So weather is a, a big factor in all of it. You don't want to climb a 14,000 foot mountain with ice on it and it becomes it can become really dangerous it can become really dangerous anyways for lots of reasons but um that was one of the things that I started doing was climbing 14,000 foot mountains and that was very very helpful to me to be out in nature all day so anyways it takes about four to five hours to make it up and then right when you're tired and exhausted and thinking I made it to the peak and how great was this? Then you've got to come down. And coming down is not a half hour endeavor. It's more like two hours. And most recently, last year, I took up bicycling and have participated in three organized bicycle rides. And they were also no small feat. So my very, very first organized bicycle ride turned out to be the triple bypass which goes over three mountain passes in the Rocky Mountains and uh, 120 miles in one day. It's not for the faint of heart but it's definitely a form of exercise that I truly enjoy being on my bicycle and seeing the mountains and seeing these incredible vistas and having a new perspective from being there, um, it's truly, uh, it's healing and it makes me realize just how small I am um, in the face of everything in the world. And also feel like a little bit like Mighty Mouse, right? That I am this really small thing compared to these big mountains and yet I can do these big hard things. So that's kind of my story, and I would love to hear your story. And on this podcast, you will hear stories from other survivors and other caretakers and people who have been touched by cancer in different ways 
who also have chosen to live a bigger life as a result of it. So hopefully their stories will inspire you to, if nothing else, put one foot in front of the other and just keep going until you can figure out how you want to live your life after cancer. I hope you've laughed. I hope you've learned. I send you healing strength, and I'm grateful for you. You've been listening to the Life Well Lived podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends so they can benefit too. Check out the show notes so you can connect with me on social media. Peace and love. Until next time.